Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. My name's Chris. Uh, uh, again, I'm the campus pastor here, and I am absolutely excited and honored to be able to come out and kind of jump back into our series, uh, The Ten Commandments. Now, I know you guys just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand up with me one more time. I know it's an aerobic exercise when you come to church. It really is. It really is. So we are going to uh, read the Word of God together. We're going to read through the Ten Commandments, and uh, we're doing them in the King James Version because so many people over the years have kind of memorized them that way. And so, uh, if you will, we'll start off, and you can just read right along with me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, wife, or possessions. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So, I want to share a little bit, you know, it's kind of sharing time. So I want to share a little bit about me with you in case we haven't really got to know each other very well. So I turned 36 back in March. I know I don't look a day over 22. Thank you. Thank you. But I have been married for almost 16 years to the most amazing woman. Now, she does deserve a hand. She does. And here's the cool thing. Together, we have a 10-year-old boy named Christian together. So... Here's what happened. So in the last couple of years, I've had a bit of an epiphany. And maybe you're with me. Maybe you've had one of these too. But I had an epiphany that I'm no longer one of the young people. Right? Now, now some of you guys in here are thinking, oh, you are, believe me, when you get my age. But here's the thing. I'm in a weird place in life. I'm in a weird, weird place in life where I'm too old for the young people to see me as the young people. But I'm too young for the old people to see me as the old people. It's a weird place to be in. It really, really is a weird place to be in, but you do know that you've passed the age of being the young people when you start saying things like young people, because at that point, it's not us, it's them, right? And you guys know what I'm talking about. Some people just realize that they're not the young people too, and that's all right. That's all right, but so here's the crazy thing, and maybe this happens like in you or your workplace or your family, but... We had uh, a teenager who was on our staff recently, was kind of back in our little cubicle areas. If you've never seen that, most of our staff is in like a cube hallway. And we had a a staff member who's a teenager talking about an injury that they had and didn't have any clue how they hurt themselves. Now, some of y'all are like, I did that on the way to church. I still don't know what happened. But here's the thing. Somebody right next to that person goes, just wait until you're 24. That's when it all starts. To which I had to chime in, and I was like, you have no idea. Wait until you're 36 and you throw your back out sneezing. (laughs) 
somebody else nearby, and notice I'm not giving names or ages or names about the ages, but somebody else goes, you have no clue either. Wait until you're in your 40s, and then you hurt yourself just getting out of bed. And the last person chimes in and says, you don't know what you're talking about either. Wait until you're 50, and you hurt yourself waking up. We have a very negative view of getting older, do we not? Like, if, if it, like, how does that make any person, any young person, how does that make them want to grow old if all we do is complain about growing old? You know, it, it's a crazy thing, and it got me to thinking. I have some church friends, some are right here in the room today, who are in their 60s or 70s, and not once have I ever heard them. Some of these people play competitive sports, okay? Never have I heard them complain about aches and pains. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have them, but I believe, so where I've landed on this is I believe that God does something different. I don't know if it's a shift in perspective. Something in our heart changes to where maybe we appreciate the time we have left instead of complaining about every second that we get. You know what I mean? That's what I believe happens. There's a heart change. And in, in, uh, in roughly a decade of ministry as a volunteer and, and now on staff for the last several years, I've kind of I've sat with people toward the end of their life. And here's what I can tell you. I have noticed that there are two kinds of hearts. And I'm not talking about like your cardiac muscle that pumps your circulatory system, okay? I'm talking about like your inmost being, like your core. There are two kinds of those people. There are ones who have kind of unfinished, unresolved bitterness or anger towards others, and you can just kind of see that. That doesn't mean they're not Christians who love Jesus. It just means that they are still holding on to some stuff, right? And then there are other people who there's almost a glow about them when they go home to, to meet Jesus. You know, they, they, they know they're cool with where they're at. They've forgiven who they could forgive. They've, they've let things go that didn't matter because they've realized that not everything does. Those are the two kinds of hearts. Now, I have heard, you know, because the Bible talks about all the aspects of the human heart, and I have heard that if you really want to see someone's heart, tell your next-door neighbor that you're building something that's going to diminish their property value. Okay? Paint your shutters camo and go to an HOA meeting is all I'm saying. If you want to see some hearts, you know, or maybe, maybe tell somebody you voted differently than they did. We can see hearts real fast. And listen, I'm not a saint. I've been guilty of both. Okay? Uh, pastors don't have it all worked out either. We're still figuring it out. Uh, but here's what the Bible teaches an awful lot about the heart. The Bible teaches an awful lot. Uh, the apostle Peter taught us in 1 Peter that beauty is not what we see in a mirror, but it's what's on the inside. To contradict that a little bit, though, and it gets confusing, but the prophet Jeremiah said that the heart lies to you. So I don't know which one. Here's what I know. Anytime there are contradictory points in the Bible, I go to what Jesus said. Amen? Because he's the tiebreaker. He's the decision maker. And I know that Jesus said things like where your money is, there your heart is. In other words, you spend money and invest in things that are important to you. Uh, he also said this, what's really in your heart will come out of your mouth. And that's one of the ones I struggle with the most. Is anybody else with me? What's really in here tends to come out here. So that means we got to work on something that's in here. But here's what I do know. There is a theme all throughout Scripture. There's an, uh, 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 that the heart must always be guarded. 
Like, we must guard that. And I'm not talking about, like, your rib cage or your sternum, okay? We're not, again, we're not talking biologically about your heart. Uh, here, here's what it is. Uh, Proverbs 4 and 23 says, above all else, guard your what? Your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. So I kind of want to do a little background work here. And so there's actually a Hebrew word for heart, and it's leb. L-E-B. Very simple. Any of us can remember that and pronounce that, right? Leb. Here's what it means. It means multiple things. So when the Bible talks about the heart, you really got to read the context. It talks about your will, your mind, your consciousness, your emotion, your understanding, and it even refers to a person's moral character. That's what the Bible means when it says guard your heart. It doesn't mean you need a chest protector. It means you need to pay attention to what's in here. That's what it means. And the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119 and 10, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Now, this brings us back to our series on the Ten Commandments. I seek you with all my heart. And so that's my title for today. It's fairly simple. It all starts in the heart. Whatever it is, it starts here. It all starts in the heart. So today we're going to talk about the sixth and eighth commandments because doing them in order just doesn't make sense. We're going to throw you know, kind of some curveballs, and we're going to talk about a couple specific commands. And the first one is this, if you'll write this down. Number one, murder. I know we're coming in hot, right? Murder begins with anger. Murder begins with anger. Now, you may be thinking, well, Chris, when we read them in the King James a moment ago, we said the word kill. And you're right. We did say the word, word kill, thou shalt not kill. But doing another one of those word studies to kind of really feel what, what was originally meant, it's talking about premeditated murder. The actual thought of festering anger getting to the point to actually cause somebody that level of harm. And if murder begins with anger, we have to look at anger. But let's read the passage. Uh, Exodus 20, 13 is the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. Now, I got a couple of stories that I want to share with you real quick. And they're not going to paint me in the best light, but that's all right. They say if you preach from your weaknesses, you never run out of material. So I'm just going to be honest and share a little bit with you all about my situation. Okay, so does anybody in here like chips and salsa? Okay, so everybody who loves Jesus likes chips and salsa. Um, we got that, right? We got that. So, but here's the thing. Do any of you guys sprinkle salt on your chips? Okay, here's what I want to tell you. You're doing it wrong. That is not an adequate sodium delivery system, church. It's not. You know why? My mom did this, and I never understood why, because the minute you pick up the chip, the salt falls off. It goes on the next chip. Eventually, all the salt you sprinkle is in the bottom, and there's no chips. And you're not going to eat just the salt, because that'd be weird. <laughs> Two people thought that'd be weird. Um, but here's what I want you to know, okay? I like to put the salt in my salsa. And then you mix it up, and it's already there much more efficient delivery system. It, you, you sprinkle it in there. And so I actually missed a lunch with some of my, my uh, team members here at the church. And one of them was saying, you know, if Chris was here, he would put salt in it and ruin the salsa. <laughs> I'm not going to say who said I ruined the salsa, but he's in this service. But anyway, I'm not going to say who it was. 
but here's what I'll tell you. I believe that to a degree, salt should be like good southern cornbread. Like salsa should be like good southern corn, cornbread. The first bite should just go ahead and dehydrate you. You know what I mean? That's what it should do. It should take all the moisture out of your body so that you are dependent on that glass of water. That's what should happen. But anyway, I went to a re- that's not the story. I went to a restaurant. And uh, there's a place here locally that we frequent, and I mean, if I'm being honest, I could say the name, but half of you guys I've probably seen there because it's so close by. But we go there for lunch a lot because it's dependable, it's fast, and we can get back to the office and get back to work. So I was waiting for my separate bowl of salsa because not everybody wants you to dump half a salt shaker in there. Okay? And by the way, it's not as much as they t- they'll tell you that it is. I don't use that much, probably. But so I asked for the bowl, and guess what never came? my special bowl of salsa. Like I went to this restaurant with no other desire than chips and salsa. Didn't care about the tacos, burritos, or anything else. I wanted some good chips and salsa. It never came. The food comes. I'm like, hey, I ask a second person now, can, can I get another bowl of the, the, the salsa? Okay, yeah, 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 sure, no problem. It still never came. By the time we get to the check, I had never gotten my salsa. I don't need to tell you how you might feel in that situation. But like I had some repenting to do after I got back. (laughs) Mentally, I didn't say anything out loud. I promise I was still a good tipper. I was a good example. I was just mad as all get out. And then it hit me. I'm mad about salsa. (laughs) Crushed up tomatoes with salt. That's what I'm upset about here today. Do you realize how ridiculous some of the things that we get mad about are and how dumb they are? Here's another one doesn't involve salsa. But I remember being a child, and my mom's in this service, so she'll remember this story. I remember being a child, and we went to like a big box store, and you know how like they put the stuff at kid eye level that parents are going to say no to, but the kids are right there in their face. They want it. I just want you to know that that's not on accident. But I picked up this candy bar, and I was like, Mom, I want this. I want that. I think I was like maybe seven, okay? I want this. I want this. No, you're not getting that. So I did what any kid would do. I put it down the back of my shorts and we made it to the minivan and I pulled it out and I was so proud because I had seen something that I wanted and I did whatever it took to get it. I was not planning to be a thief. I wanted a candy bar. I, I had a want and I did what it took to make it happen. Now, now, if you're being honest, you're looking at me with those judgmental eyes right now, but if you're being honest, how many times have you seen something that you want and whether it was in God's will for you or not, you did whatever it took to get it. I'm not alone today. Here's what I want to tell you though. Sometimes, you know, like I said, we get mad about these dumb things. And have you ever been mad at somebody for something they didn't even do? I was, my poor wife, Jessica, who is a saint for putting up with me, but she, she was the victim of my anger for two whole days over something she did to me in a dream. (laughs) Now you guys laugh, but act like it's never happened to you. Some of y'all have gone into work mad at your boss because they fired you the night before when you were asleep. (laughs) Here's what I do know is this is what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 39. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Very simple, very cut and dry. 
love them as much as you love you. Now, back to this commandment, you know, there's, there's kind of some things that confuse people like, well, what about capital punishment or self-defense? Don't these things work in there? Now, remember, I gave you the distinction between killing and murder. And in the Old Testament, it actually provides some reasons for, you know, judging people based on their actions or defending your home. Those are not the same thing, okay? We are talking about getting so upset with someone that you kill them. That's what this verse talks about. And again, we're talking about anger. So where does it all begin? Anger. Back to the words of Jesus, Matthew 5, 21 through 22. This is what he said. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone... If you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. That sounds very Old Testament of Jesus to say. It really, really does. It sounds very like, oh, well, I, can't, I, I can't do this. Now, now, if you're, you know, if you're hearing the word, if you curse someone, you're probably thinking, well, I don't say bad words. But this isn't talking about bad words. This is talking about wishing something bad on someone else. That simple. Like you ever had a coworker? You're like, man, my life would be easier if they would just fire them. That's what it's talking about. Something that simple. And Jesus challenged us to kill it at the root. Find it and kill it. And the root is in our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. You know, maybe, maybe you're one of those people that loves going to certain stores like Walmart or Target and you do the people watching, you know, and you get to thinking about these people like, oh, oh he don't need to buy those donuts. <laughs> or that girl needs to put some clothes on. Anybody ever said that? Some of y'all might have said it this morning right here. I don't know. But what about, you know, uh, you see somebody lighting up outside the store and, you, and they're coughing and you're like, yeah, smoke another one. That's doing you so much. We criticize and devalue people in our minds. We're not murdering them, but we are murdering our, we're murdering any value that they could have in our own eyes. That's what we're doing there. Criticizing, judging. You know, as, as adults, we do this, right? Uh, think about it in, in church terms. Well, they worship that way and they preach out of this Bible or they do that or they sing those worship songs and, and that's just the wrong way. You know, I heard somebody say one time, if the King James Version was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. I was like, Paul didn't even speak English. <laughs> anyway, what about, what about things, you know, we mentioned voting and politics, those things uh, 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 can cause people to have problems. And then we watch on the news and we see things like, well, this world leader is making this world policy and this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. It is a very short leap to get from here to we should just bomb them and call it a day. It's a very, very short leap. And you have to remember, we are talking about other people who are created in the image of the same God that we are. So we have to learn how to deal with our anger. You know, we get mad. I, I, you know, anger gives way to hate. And hate can come about because, well, that person has something that I don't have. Or I feel like that person has it better than I have. Or, or my family you didn't like that family. And Aunt Sally did this to this person. And now they're not invited to the family reunion. And, and all these things, you know, we get mad at people over things that they can't control and would choose different if they could more than likely. We get mad about things like that. Here's what I've heard. Anger is like a cup of really hot coffee. You ever been carrying a really 
hot cup of coffee and don't have a lid on, you know, because you were like, no, nah, I'm superhero. I don't make a mess. And then so you get your hot cup of coffee. And it's been said that anger is like a hot cup of coffee, one good jolt, and it goes all over everybody. That's anger. In a nutshell, that is anger. So this week I have a next step for you, and I want to challenge you. This week, when you, get, when you start to get mad, or mad at somebody or start mentally devaluing somebody, you know, even if they never know what you said, you know what you said. You know what you thought. So the next step is this, is that you want to love and value them the way that God does. So here's the next step, and I'm going to challenge you to check this on your connection card. I will look for opportunities this week to choose love over anger. I'm going to ask God to help me see them the way that he sees them, and I'm going to choose love over anger. Number two, if you'll write this one down, number two, stealing begins with a lack of self-control. Stealing begins with a lack of self-control. Now, the eighth commandment is this in Exodus 20 and 15 in the NIV. It says, you shall not steal. You shall not steal. Uh, July 4th Sunday, so last Sunday, um, there was a, I was leaving for the day. I was kind of rounding up. I'm sure you guys saw all the awesome decorations we had outside, and, and this place was amazing. Like, it just, I was so excited to see, you know, our celebration and honor the, the veterans and those who are serving today. But as I was leaving, I saw a young lady walking back inside. And I was like, did you forget something? And she goes, no, I need to take my pen back. I don't want to steal it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. See, I'll get an awful lot from just a look because you know you've had the same thought. Those pins are there for you, okay? If you take it, we're just going to put another one in there. It's all right. And I told her that. I'm like, that is not stealing. And she's like, I know, but I just feel like I get so many of them and I just feel bad about it. So I was like, okay. I've had some people tell me that they like to take them and go to lunch on Sunday and leave it, leave it for the server. Here's what I would ask of you. We are a generous church. If you're going to do this, don't stiff the server. Okay? Give them a pen from another church. Don't give them our pen if you're going to. But anyway. But anyway. So I shared a little bit earlier with you about me with the candy bar, right? So that was stealing. I didn't know it was stealing. So that, that might make you wonder, well, wonder what if I do, what do I do that might be considered stealing? And also, you probably think about these commandments, don't kill, don't steal. But you notice as we're getting to these roots, a lot of us are on the way. That doesn't mean we'll ever get there, but we've taken steps along those paths. We've taken steps and let those seeds grow. But the question I would ask you on this one is, do you steal? Nobody's going to say yes, and that's all right. But do you steal? What about things like this? Have you ever streamed a movie or streamed some music or downloaded something you didn't pay for it. Nobody's admitting anything. I just want y'all to make note of that. Nobody's saying I, okay? But what about this? Uh, what about this? And, and I'm willing to bet this affects a lot of people. What about borrowing somebody else's Netflix, Disney, Hulu, passwords? Now, they might not view it as stealing, and you might not view it as stealing, but I bet Netflix, Hulu, and Disney might view it as stealing, Right? Okay, what about this? Have you ever showed up to work at 8.20, but your timesheet said 8? Maybe you took a tax deduction that you shouldn't have taken one time. I don't know what you consider stealing. Here's what I do want you to know, though, um, is at the heart, okay? At the heart, 
with regard to sin, those little things are no different than you walking into your next door neighbor's house, taking something out of it that doesn't belong to you, and walking back to your house with it. With regard to sin, it, just, it doesn't say don't steal unless it's convenient. It says don't steal, right? We can at least agree that it says that, right? Okay. Here's what I do. Here's what the Bible says. In Proverbs 10 and 2 in the Amplified Bible, it says this, Treasures of wickedness and ill-gotten gains do not profit, but righteousness and moral integrity and daily life rescues from death. Following God's commands, following the words of, of, of God throughout the Bible, that's what leads to salvation. That's what leads to being rescued from death. And, you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. The Bible teaches us that someone who is following, uh, following Christ develops fruits of the Spirit, one of them being self-control. And remember, stealing starts with self-control. Like, that's, it's a lack of self-control. And here's what I do know. If you have asked Jesus into your heart, if you have taken your next step of baptism, your life should reflect his life. And Jesus was 100% all in to the will of God. I don't know that that's possible for any human being, but here's what I do know. It's our responsibility to find out if it's possible. That's our responsibility. And I do know this. When people met Jesus, you can read the Bible yourself. When people met Jesus, people changed. Nobody met Jesus and stayed the same. Not one single person. So I have a next step for you here today. If you're not following Christ, if, if, if you're not all in to the will of God, at the bottom of your program as well as on your online program, at the bottom of that, there's a prayer to become a Christ follower that I would challenge you. Let today be the first day of the rest of your life and take, make that decision. Check that box on your connection card. I'm going to challenge all of us who are Christians. I'm going to challenge you today because chances are something that I said may have stepped on a toe or two, including my own. Okay? We, like I said, pastors don't get it figured out just because we're on stage. There's a second box on there that says, today I am recommitting my life to Jesus. I would challenge each and every one of you and everybody watching online, wherever you may be, reaffirm your commitment to following Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you have to get saved again, but reaffirm that. And another thing, it's another next step. It's on your connection card as well. If you haven't been baptized, we'll help you with that. I'll contact you this week if you'll check that box. We'll set up your baptism for uh, later on this month. Okay? Amen? Amen. Amen. Number, number three. Number three is this. Be willing to be different. This may be the hardest one to follow here. And this isn't a command, but this goes with both. Be willing to be different. Romans 12, 2 in the NIV, this is what uh, the Apostle Paul said. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, it's only once our mind and our heart, remember I said all of those things are one there. It all starts in the heart. We have to be willing to go all in and not be like everyone around us. 
Because here's what I do know. Our world teaches you that anger is okay as long as you really mean it and are justified. That you can do anything you want and it's okay as long as you are following your truth, right? We hear these things. Um, we hear that devaluing people. There are, there are whole TV shows dedicated to talking bad about people. And that's just on the news. I'm talking about the other TV shows. There are entire networks dedicated to devaluing people. As long as I have right on my side, I can say and do and believe about you anything I want. You know, I hear this all the time. I'm, I'm living my truth. And I just want to tell you, church, if your truth doesn't line up with God's truth, there ain't nothing true about your truth. And that's just the way it is. You know, God's word doesn't stop where my feelings begin. Like, I'm going to say that one again because I really believe that's a good one. God's word doesn't stop where my feelings begin. Just because I feel a certain way about something doesn't mean it's right. We are called to fully, fully, fully follow and commit to the example that Jesus laid down for us. And Jesus was fully committed. John 6, 38, this is what he says. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus could have done anything he wanted with his earthly life. But he chose to model an example for me and you. So that we could model that example for others, including our own families, our kids, our grandkids. you got to be willing to be different because, see, what I've learned is that the world around us often mirrors the best wishes and intentions and hopes of our enemy, the devil, more than it does our Father in heaven. And if we are not careful, well, let me read this verse first. Let me read this verse. John 10 and 10, Jesus said this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If we, right here in this church, yes, online as well, if we aren't careful, we wind up modeling what the devil wants and we end up looking more like him than we do Jesus. No matter how much you come to church, no matter how much you attend your small group, no matter how much you read the Bible and pray and act like you, you got it all together, if we aren't careful, no matter how much we do any of the right things, we end up looking more like the devil than Jesus. That's what we have to watch. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. See, when God really gets in your heart, I mean really gets in your heart, something exciting happens. Something exciting happens. Like the rhythm of your life just gets a little different, you know. I'm not saying that it's going to be a rose garden. It's not. There's, there's thorns even in those. What I am saying, though, is that the rhythm of your life gets a little bit different. Every day, day by day, following the way of Jesus gets a little bit better. Things become a little more clear. You start to love people. You start to care about people. And instead of thinking, oh, that girl needs to put some clothes on, what you start thinking is, oh, that girl needs to meet Jesus. See, sometimes we spend more time worrying about what people look than worrying about who they know. And that's a problem, church. That is mentally devaluing others. And it's anger. It's anger. If you would, would you stand with me? We're about to worship. I said life gets a little bit different, a little bit better. Your heart starts to beat a little bit different. You know, it starts to kind of pound to a new rhythm. You're walking with God. You're walking in your faith. You're living out what you say you believe. 
Those are the things that happen when you follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Nobody that met Jesus stayed the same. Amen? Amen. We got to watch our anger. We got to work on our self-control. And, um, and above all else, you got to be willing to be different from the people in the world. The Bible also said that they'll know us by the way we, they'll know that we love him by the way we love each other. That's where it's got to start. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'd ask, would you just worship today? Uh, Father, we love you. We thank you for the ability to dive deeper into your word. We thank you that we're able to come together and worship and learning and growth. God, may what we learn here not just stay here and be here when we come back next Sunday. May it walk out the doors when we do and walk back in them when we do. God, I ask that, that what we've learned here today about how, we're, how we need to view others and how we need to control and restrain ourselves and how we need to just be different from the world so that we can be an example to the world. If the world is filled with darkness, being different means to add light, and that's what we are called to do. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.